Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast brought to you by 304carrack.com. Find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Uh, the position group series is continuing this week. We're going to be talking about the offensive line uh, after I threw Russ for a loop last week, and he thought it was the offensive line week. Uh, that was my bad. But we've got five things, of course, every herd fan needs to know, and we're going to take it around the herd as well. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, uh, and, and, and we're going to get into some other stuff too. I mean, hey, summer or fall camp started, so we're going to touch on a little bit of that. There's not too whole – a whole lot you can talk about right now since we're like mm, two days in but still um we got a lot to cover so let's get into it let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com if you've been hurt in a wreck visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on facebook you can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim but when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone you set yourself up to be a victim again. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Uh, Russ, it's another, again, seemingly every week, which it is every week, busy week in herd athletics. So let's dive right in. Give me five things that every herd fan needs to know this week. All right. As always, five things every herd fan needs to know is brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, fall camp has started for football. Been a long time coming, man. It yeah, has right. been a long time coming. <laughs> and when you think about it, let me let me let's just think about it real quick. From from December, the end of the bowl game, till yesterday roughly yesterday when camp opened um all that has occurred just surrounding marshall athletics not everything else marshall university related but just what has happened in that eight month span seven and a half month span i mean it's mind-boggling you know seven and a half months ago we were uh, still mulling in the <sighs> pit of despair that is conference usa we had some bright news on the horizon we knew we were coming out of it but we didn't know full on that we were coming out of it this summer we thought there's it could be you know two years maybe we would dwell one more year in conference usa so from that point to this point all that we've talked about just on this show and everything else that has gone on that we haven't covered on this show it's a nice deep breath that fall camp is finally here some questions are going to begin to get answered. It's like Christmas in August. <laughs> People are so starved for football and football news, and it's finally here. Yeah, so I saw and just retweeted just a minute ago. This is Saturday, um, Saturday night that we're recording this this week, and I saw uh, – a very nice one-handed catch. 
I don't know. Did you see that? Did you see what I retweeted? It was just before we started recording. Yeah, I mean, it it had to be the um, one-handed interception. Uh, uh, Green McKnight. Yeah, that that uh, Cassidy put out there. Yeah, as a yeah. matter of fact, I quote tweeted that uh, shortly, probably before you did. So we may have put yeah. it out twice, yeah. but. Uh, I so, quote tweeted it with like a Kelly green and black Jordan logo, you know, cause that's, gotcha. that's what it yep. looked like to me. So that is my first little video snippet that I've seen from it. And when I saw that, I just kind of got goosebumps of man, it's real. It's here. You yeah. know? Uh, so I, I cannot wait. Uh, I want to get some reports, you know, from people that are there and tell us, you know, how uh, the quarterback is, uh, is looking and how you know some of the different new players are looking that that we have you know um i'm jones in the board man i am i'm i'm really looking forward to getting some uh getting some info and then passing that info on and well let's uh let's talk about some of the ways that you can see some of that info that you're starved for uh they had the first press conference of the season there on espn plus so you could go and stream the press conference um and individually on one of marshall's official youtube channels they had kind of that press conference uh instead of in its entirety it, entirety it was broken down into individual segments you know one by coach huff one by gidry one by uh clint trickett and then uh, kobe and um Columbia all had individual videos. So if you wanted to hear from one particular person, you didn't have to go fishing around looking for everything. You could just watch the individual videos. So um, without getting too deep into it, let, let me just give you a little coach speak, right? This is, we're really excited about where we are right now. Of course, we're nowhere prepared for week number one. We love the competition and the fire, but you know, we're going to have to see some, uh, some, so a little more get after it, you know, if you will. Um, we, but we like where we are right now. There, does yeah. that sum it up for you? <laughs> That, that sounds perfect, man. When, <laughs> when When's your first game uh, as a head coach? Because you've got the interview down already. I've got the uh, day one interview down. I don't know about any damn thing else, but I got the day one thing down. So uh, number two on our list takes us over to softball. And uh, KD, I, I got a feeling that I'm going to hear a word from you because we're talking academics here. Softball ends nine on the 21-22 Easton Fast Pitch Scholar Athletes list. What is that? Is well, a... before you set me up to knock it out of the park, uh, I want to make the point that this program continues to be what we believe can be and already is to a certain degree a real cornerstone program at Marshall. So winning a lot of games, going deep into tournaments, postseason appearances, postseason awards – putting players into the uh, pros at the next level of their sport and doing it in the classroom, it's a differentiator. That's what they are. Differentiator. Yeah. There it is. So let me read off these nine names, and we will have Ashley Blesson, Armani Brown, Bub Faringa, Allie Harrell, Kaylee Joyce, Lauren Love, Riley Lucas, Sid Nestor, and Autumn Owen. Getting it done on the field, getting it done in the classroom. Our hats go off to to you girls. Yeah, I mean, Megan Smith, Lion Corey, they just continue to run a top-notch 
program. And you can see that it can be done on the field and in the classroom on a team level, not just one or two players here and there. You can get it done on a team level. And they just continue to do that. And as much as we've talked about softball this year, this this on this show, uh, when the season starts, there really shouldn't be too many, if any, empty seats at Dot Hicks Field. I mean, you should be – that should be one of those schedules that you're looking at to see how many games you can fit in because everybody likes a winner and they're doing things the right way and you just love to see it. So what's left to do but get out there and watch them win. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, we don't just continually talk about it every week and some of the other sports we're going to talk about too. Um, the running theme with this show is going to be get your butt to the stadium, get your butt to the court, whatever, get it to the arena and sit there and watch them play because, um, you know, we, we love the herd, right? Everybody loves the herd, but you also got to see it live and in person because there's nothing like live herd sports beyond football, beyond basketball, you know, and beyond soccer. We it's, it, it can be an athletic department wide thing. You can be an athletic department fan. And that's okay, you know, and that's what we want to see more of as we head into the Sun Belt. Number three on the list, golfer Noah Mullins won the West Virginia Amateur Open. Uh, so recent uh, player, just graduated, uh, finished up at Marshall this past season, goes on to win the West Virginia Amateur. Love to see herd athletes doing great things. And that's, uh, that's a tournament right here in the state at the Greenbrier. Um uh, Hats off to Noah. Yeah, that's a pretty prestigious title to uh, grab a hold of. So, yeah. I mean, anytime, anytime you can uh, do something of that magnitude and you're clad in Kelly. I mean, I don't know if he was wearing Kelly green and white, but I'm just saying it, it, on your resume, your alma mater, you're clad in Kelly green and white. You love to see it. And I hope to see more of things like this, right? I mean, I'm, I would be lying to you if I, I said I followed the golf team religiously and really closely but this still puts a smile on my face. Right. And it should with everybody listening. They're like, Oh, cool. That that's what you would think. Nice. You know, that means we're bringing in athletes that can compete in the sports that we may not be paying that close attention to, which tells me we should be paying closer attention to things like that. So congratulations to Noah Mullins, man. You love to see it. And I hope to see it again. Maybe it'll be a repeat champ or, or a three or four time champ before it's all said, or maybe even more, who knows. Uh, number four, we go back over to football, and Doug Chapman will be participating in the NFL's Nunn-Wooten Scouting Fellowship uh, back uh, with his NFL team in Minnesota. Yeah, that's pretty cool. For those who don't know what this program is, it's uh, it's it exposes – qualified candidates to kind of the inner workings of the scouting business. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's kind of what Doug does here. He's, he's a, a senior offensive analyst and, and helps with recruiting and, and analyzing talent. And so that that's scouting, right? That's scouting. That's what that is. So that being able to do that alongside the best in the world at, at those positions at, the, in those um, career paths it's only going to help him become better at what he does in his current role and potentially open doors for him um, when he decides it's time to take another step. So these are just great. These are great things. And I like hearing about stuff like this. I, th I think anything a that can uh, help one of our alums in their career is great. But number two, if that can also help the herd in a current state, 
that's even better. So that's a win-win in my book. So congratulations to Doug Chapman. Heck of a guy, hard worker. He's, I mean, his story's great. Even if you haven't, you know, paid attention to it, you know, former player, of course, played in the pros, then went to broadcasting, and now he's in scouting type thing. I mean, is there something that this guy can't do really well? Because he seems to have done everything at a pretty high level. Keeping it with the NFL and former herd players, um, got a couple of recent, as of last year, uh, graduates that uh, made some NFL news this week. First, Alex Mollett, uh, Mollett, sorry, uh, signed with the Colts. Uh, went to high school with a Mollett. It was pronounced differently down in Gilbert. Go figure. <laughs> um, Alex Mollett signed with the Colts, and uh, we got. Uh, uh that news on twitter uh he tweeted it out other people tweeted it out a lot of love going around for him heard all timer on the offensive line um you know racked racked up all kinds of accolades got a uh a shot with colts and they signed him up yeah uh he's without a doubt an all-timer uh a real I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Insert all the adjectives here. I mean, what what can you say about Alex Millett and his time with the herd that hasn't already been said? Um, but to get that opportunity, and it, I think a lot of us in these circles that followed the football program pretty closely knew that he was a guy that just needed an opportunity, and he had the opportunity to stick if he got the right opportunity. And it looks like he got the right opportunity, uh, Indianapolis needed some offensive linemen apparently, or even if they just needed one, he was the guy, you know, I'm sure they got, they signed more than one, but Alex just needed a shot and he proved that he belongs on the next level. So, I mean, congratulations. Uh, I have some great stories uh, of my interactions with Alex Millett from years past. And he's always been um, not just the consummate professional, but like a really genuinely nice dude just a just a dude just really nice dude and uh it really the entire Millette family has always treated me well i've spoken to his dad on several occasions at tailgates and, and away games and things like that they're just good people so you like to always hear about good things happening to good people and nice families and he's an excellent ambassador for marshall and i'm just thrilled that he's going to have the opportunity to play at the next level and finally, to go along with that former player NFL news, Willie Johnson, I, I know you saw it. We talked about it. Uh, he made a big splash in that Hall of Fame game that was on TV the other day. Uh, returned to punt for a touchdown, real long one, exciting, uh, switched course, and then outran everybody. Called back by a hold, but I think showed his talent and everything to – uh, you know, the coaches, the fans, uh, Twitter, uh, social media, everybody was talking about it. 88 yards uh, to the house. And it doesn't really matter that that was called back because it's on film, right? And mm -hmm. that's what it's all about in the preseason when you're trying to make a roster or earn a spot or whatever the case may be. It's about getting things on film. So – that's a good one to get on film. You, you show you've got game-breaking speed, you've got elusiveness, and you've got the ability to take it to the house. I mean, congratulations, man. That's that's awesome. And you said on social media, yeah, the, the main NFL Twitter account 
used yeah. him as a meme. And and I thought that you're here, like you're 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 in the big time now, dude. Like you're if you're an right. NFL meme, <laughs> you've made it. And like punt return be damned, you're an <laughs> NFL meme. <laughs> And and I know this is semantics, and I know that the rules mean yes, it still gets called back. But to me, the hold looked like it would not have affected him taking it to the house in any way. Uh, not around the play. That's not why he scored the touchdown. So I think those things. I'm no NFL coach, but I think those things are looked at as well. It's not well. He just got it because of a hold. No, he got it because of his you know, playmaking ability and his speed and his vision. And I think that that's going to be something that they're going to look at say, wow, this guy can do that. Um, yeah. He's going to make our roster. Yeah. I mean, and even if it's not the Jacksonville roster, we see this all the time. There are guys that get cut from team a and, you know, team B needs a return man. And they're like, Hey, we like what we saw out of Willie Johnson in Jacksonville. So let's give him a shot here. Let's see if he can, get done what we need done. We like what he did on film better than some of the guys we had here. We we just see that all the time. That's why I say it's always about getting something on tape because they can't take that away. It's on tape. So he made the most of his opportunity in, in the Hall of Fame game, and let's just hope that that's a springboard for a really, really good preseason to where he too gets a chance to stick. And, hey, speed always plays in the NFL, man. They'll find a place for you. It is true. It's the great equalizer, and uh, those teams that don't have speed usually aren't racking up very many wins. So congratulations to Willie on a big, exciting play to kick off the NFL season. That was pretty cool. Well, that's it for this week of the five things every herd fan needs to know. Well, next week, I'm sure we'll have a lot more news floating around there since we'll be a little over a week into to, uh, fall camp. Uh, there will undoubtedly be some headlines and some eyebrows that are getting raised over who's making plays and and that sort of thing. So I'm really excited to see what next week brings us. But, hey, we're going to keep it along with football, right, because we are right in the thick of these position group breakdowns. And this week, it is the offensive line breakdown. Are uh, you Ty, sure? I am sure. I, I, I am sure because I sat down and studiously wrote an hour's worth of detailed notes. So even if I'm wrong, I'm right because we're doing the offensive line. Uh, tied for fourth in the Sun Belt Conference by Phil Steele with Old Dominion, Louisiana, and Georgia Southern. Uh, there is a dedicated number one, a dedicated two, and three, and then there were four teams tied at four. So uh, all things considered about what we're going to talk about, uh, considering players that departed from this roster last year, I think that's fair. You know, so, some – some folks might see that as a slight, but I don't know that I do. Um, if you will think all the way back to when we did our top three positions of concern, this one was one for me. And if I'm not mistaken, it was one for you as well. It, it, this just isn't the same hurt offensive line that we've been accustomed to seeing where you're reloading. Uh, we may have very well reloaded, but we don't know that until we start seeing this line play. We've hit the portal pretty hard at the offensive line, so there's not the um, the benefit of known chemistry amongst our offensive linemen. So, uh, coached by Eddie Morrissey, part of Huff's inaugural staff, of course. So Eddie's in his second year as an offensive line coach here at Marshall. 
Here's a little bit of positivity for you. Returning offensive linemen from the 2021 roster. There are 10 by my count, so that's not bad. Uh, 2022 recruiting class, there are four listed on the official commitment list from 24-7 Sports. And transfer portal, I say this with an asterisk, right? Three, but I found a fourth that just doesn't show up on the transfer portal, and I think it's because it's where he came from. Um, so we'll talk about those three guys. The three coming in from the transfer portal, and then I'll mention that fourth. Uh, of course, Trent Holler coming over from East Carolina. If you're in West Virginia and you got the last name Holler, you are in. I don't care what anybody else says. You are automatically uh, honorary West Virginia resident. Uh, Cedrice Pallant from Rutgers, we've talked about quite a bit, and Tim Lawson comes over from Louisville. All three of those guys are on the 2022 roster, so they are here. The fourth fellow by the name of Jeremiah Orr comes from Valparaiso, and that's why I think he didn't show up in the 24-7 sports transfer portal. They just don't really... They're, they're, you know, you don't, you can't toggle down to Valparaiso to see who was in the portal. Uh, departing from 2021... Oh, some really familiar names, some all-timers, um, and some contributors. So this is this is a tough one. This was a tough one to swallow. Alex Millette, the aforementioned Alex Millette, uh, now current, I almost said Baltimore Colt, Indianapolis Colt, Will Ulmer, Alex Saguero, James McGee, Ethan Ingram hits the portal, heads down to Georgia Southern, and is on their roster as of about an hour ago. So there's an opportunity for the herd to probably maybe face him. And then Chris Everhart transfers out and heads over to ETSU. That is your one, two, three, four, five, six guys that departed. And now you see why a lot of big names, a lot of starters, a lot of starts collectively and some contributions made. So we got some holes to fill. So where do we start first? Well, let's start with some prospected projected KD starters along the line. Let's go left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Left tackle, I'm going with Mr. Pallant from Rutgers. Six foot four, 325 pound red shirt senior. 13 starts at left guard in a total of 19 games played over two years at Rutgers. Fair amount of Big Ten football played. Uh, lots of starts, lots of experience. You like to think you come here and you've got one to one to play. You're looking to go somewhere you're going to start. So uh, I like him to be penciled in somewhere. Um, I'm picking left tackle, left guard. Dalton Tucker, six foot seven, three hundred and twenty five pound red shirt junior. Two starts last year, one at right guard, one at right tackle. In eleven games over the past uh, or last year, and twenty one games overall in the past two years. So Dalton has played a ton of ball for the herd over the past couple of years. And um, I think he's just waited his turn and now has earned his spot to be an everyday starter and every game starter center, Logan Osborne, local kid from Cabell Midland high school, six foot three, 300 pound red shirt, sophomore had six starts last year at right guard in seven games before going down with injury and having his season ended. So, uh, there was a lot to be excited about for Logan anyway coming back. It's just that injury shortened his season. So center has been a position that has been one of zero worry for well over a decade. So there is a lot of, I don't want to say pressure, but there's a high expectation for Logan or whoever is the center day one 
uh, for the herd. We've just seen a high, high caliber of play for so, so long. When you talk about Millette slash Seguero, and before that it was Levi Brown for four years, and before that it was – I'm drawing a blank. Hold on. Um, I'm just drawing a blank. I can't believe I had it right there, and then I lost it. It'll come to me later. Um, Right guard Trent Holler. Going with another transfer to start along the offensive line. Six foot two, 311 pound red shirt sophomore from East Carolina University. One start at center last year. Uh, but I like him more to fit along the line there somewhere. 15 games over the last two years for East Carolina. So he's played a fair amount of ball just being a red shirt sophomore. Again, I like the experience. I like uh that you can come in here and contribute right away. And I think he might be a day one starter for the herd. Um, right tackle and perhaps our most polished returning offensive lineman, Kendrick Sartor, six foot seven, 316 pounds, sixth year senior, 12 starts at right tackle last year and 13 overall games in 2021. I mean, what can you say? Preseason, all Phil Steele, second team for the Sun Belt. Really the only guy along the line that was getting uh, some sort of special accolade from Phil. Um, I, th- I think he's just the next great all you know potential all-timer. I mean, he plays at a really, really high level, and if you solidify that sixth year uh, in a really convincing fashion, then you're going to go down as potentially an all-timer. So those are my projected starters. Uh, of course, the positions it could be a shakeup. You know, I'm just, not necessarily going to see uh, Trent Holler at right guard. You might see him somewhere else. I don't know, but that's just where I'm penciling everybody in. Average height and weight, which is one of my favorite things to do when we talk about offensive linemen. Average height and weight for those five guys are five starters, my projected starters. Six foot four and a half inches, 315 and a half pounds. Uh, that's a lot of USDA grade A beef. And- That'll do. <laughs> And I hope uh, makes for some uh, rough going against opposing defensive lines. Now, uh, you talk about some stats from last year that you got to replace, right? 162 rush yards per game. You might have thought that would have been more considering the year that Rasheen Ali had. So do these guys have the makings to increase that number? We shall see. Uh, can they keep our quarterback cleaner than the line last year did? We shall see. They were really good at keeping uh, Grant Wells clean. So either, these are all things to consider. Um, but I like these five. I like the way that uh, this line could potentially come together. Let's talk about a handful of potential big-time contributors. A guy I know you like the, his name, uh, Stephen Fauchot. Uh, The Go ahead. I see you. <laughs> No, I was just going to say that I did the little uh, listen to yeah, uh, and it's actually he pronounces a fauché. Yeah, and that I was like, no, man, you got to switch. I mean, <laughs> no, I just I th- that was for your benefit. But <laughs> no, you you've got to say fauché, man. <laughs> you're, you're missing out. I mean, we're in the age of nil, you know. Yeah, exactly. So yes. <laughs> Stephen Fauché, six foot five, two hundred and ninety-three pound redshirt sophomore, appeared in twelve games in twenty twenty-one for the herd. So, played a lot of ball last year. Needing to take the leap. We'll see how that goes. Ethan Driscoll, 
Six foot nine, 314 pound red shirt junior appeared in all 13 games last year for the herd. And then it starts to get a little bit uh, light in the playing time for the herd category. Um, this is where we're going to have to see some guys take that developmental leap and move into a big time contributor role. Let's start with Tristan Bittner, six foot five, 320 pound red shirt sophomore. Uh, been around for a couple of years. Now it's time to take that next step, fill those holes. It's time. It's it's time for you to shine a little bit. As with some of these other guys we mentioned, Tim Lawson comes over from Louisville, um, six foot five, two hundred and ninety pound red shirt freshman. That height and weight is from the Louisville website. He doesn't have a height and weight on the herd zone re- uh, website currently. So I would like to think he probably hasn't grown too much but maybe has you know been with ba for a while now might have put on a pound or two to uh, round out that frame a little bit i looked that up uh, when when the news was uh him transferring and he had put on a little bit of weight uh he had it on his twitter handle uh on his profile i cannot remember it now i'll try to look it up here pretty soon but uh it was a little bit um, but I, it wasn't, I don't think, you know, he was up in like the 310 or anything. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would assume maybe somewhere around the 295, like five pounds, you know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, there are a handful of guys that are on the 2022 roster right now that don't have those measurables. Some of them don't even have a position listed. So that's rough. I'm, I might have to completely left off a potential offensive lineman because it could be one of those guys that doesn't have anything but a name and a, and a profile picture, you know. But uh, next next guy we're going to have to see potentially take a leap is a guy by the name Eric Meeks, six foot two, two hundred and seventy six pound red shirt freshman. Um, yeah, Phil still lists him as the potential backup center. So if that holds true, you're definitely going to have to see a uh, potential leap in development for Mr. Meeks. But if uh, Trent Holler has had experience playing center, maybe you just see him slide over and somebody else slide into a uh, right guard spot or a left guard spot. I've got, uh, before you go on, I've got Tim's update. He's uh, listed as 6'6", 305. Oh, there we yeah. go. That's an inch and 15 pounds. Dang. Uh Nice. <laughs> Let's go with that. Nice. That plays. Yeah. Yes, that does play. And lastly, potentially a big-time contributor is a fellow I mentioned earlier as the fourth transfer player that shows on the roster from Valparaiso, Jeremiah Orr. Six foot five, 330 pounds. Uh, redshirt sophomore played six games in the spring of 21 and then 10 more games in the fall of 21. So, you know, one of those wild scenarios coming off of that COVID season where some of the teams uh, switched to a spring season. So he played 16 games in 2021. So a lot of football played for Mr. Orr in 2021. Could be a real big time contributor for the herd. And you really like that six foot five, 330 pound frame to go along with that playing experience. Let's talk about a handful of potential instant impact freshman and perhaps no other position uh is tougher for a freshman to play than offensive line i mean let's face it they they're going up against guys that are at least one to four years older than them and have had and have been in these college strength programs and have just played at this level 
And it's tough. It's tough to come in and be that guy right out of high school. But uh, we had four, like I said, in the uh, 24-7 sports recruiting class. So let's talk about those guys. Uh, Matthew Ushak, a six foot five, two hundred and seventy four pound former three star recruit, um, rated as he came out of high school in the twenty twenty one class as the number one hundred and twenty offensive line prospect. So that's pretty good. There's a lot of offensive linemen in the country that come out every year, and to rank, you know, number one twenty, that's pretty solid. Uh, Trent Fraley, six foot two, two hundred and eighty pounds. That is his twenty four seven sports profile. He's another one of those guys that doesn't have a height and weight on herd zone. Also former three-star prospect rated number 132 in the country in the class of 2021. Uh, the final two guys, a fellow by the name of Jalen Slappy, six foot three, 314 pound, former three-star prospect rated number 179 in the country as they came out. And Tariq Montgomery, six foot four, 295 pound, also three-star prospect rated the number 211 offensive line prospect. So you'd like to think that most, if not all of these guys, will probably redshirt this year, hit that weight room, get in the program, wait a little bit of time, and see if they can make some waves next year. But then again, they may come in like gangbusters, and we see them in the quick rotation of the offensive line. You never know how these things are going to play out with offensive linemen fresh out of high school. Russ, that's potentially what it will look like uh, from an offensive line standpoint. I know we tossed a lot of names out there, a lot of heights and weights, but overall, it's it 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 lends itself to a few strengths. It lends itself to a few weaknesses, and this is the unit that I've got the most weaknesses on up to this point. But before we do that, give me your first strength for this unit. Size. I mean, you listed it there on the average at six, four and a half and three. What was the average? 300. 315 and a half pounds. 315 and a half pounds. And that's your average. And we've got some guys on the roster, six, seven, six, nine, you know, 330. Um, you've got to have it, it. The game is won a lot on the trenches, right? We talked about it last week with uh, the defensive line and size and just, you know, how that's needed. you got to push that offensive line around when you're a defensive lineman. It's the same thing from the other side is you've got to push off the ball, open up these holes and everything for your running backs, give your receivers time to do their routes by protecting the quarterback. That size comes into play, size and strength, uh, for probably any other position on the field. This is the one that size plays the most. So it is a strength. We got some big guys. Huff, as we talked, uh, has made it a point to increase the size at every position. I feel like he again did that with the uh, transfer portal, bringing some guys over. Yeah, and you, you're t- you've actually touched on two of my strengths uh, in in your a synopsis there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on the first one, which is also size. That's my second strength. And it is good overall size, you know, six foot, four and a half, 315 pounds across just that starting five that I listed. And I might add that none of those guys are below the 300 pound mark. And only uh, two of those guys fall below six foot four. So the the overall size of the starting five or my potential starting five is good. I, I like how that unit looks on paper. 
you know, and, and you don't win games on paper, right? If you did, then there'd be a lot of teams constantly undefeated. So it's going to boil down to how do they play together and how can they, uh, how quickly can they form chemistry to be an effective unit? Because much like size plays the biggest part of any other group on the field, like offensive line, as does chemistry. Right? You, yeah. you, you are very much a five men, one mind type unit. It has to yeah. be cohesive. It has to be basically an orchestra. You can really tell when somebody is out of place or doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Um, that's when things go wrong really bad. Right, like really bad, really quick, and um, you know the, these guys are protectors by nature, and nobody, nobody takes it harder on a missed assignment than they do themselves because they know they have potentially set somebody up to take an unnecessarily an unnecessary lick. So I like the good overall size. Um, so I'm right there with you. What about your second strength? Uh, versatility of some of these, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, had some reps at center, that sort of thing, uh, played guard, but might be tackle here. So the ability to slide around, you know, from the left side to the right side, slide in, uh, as guard or center, uh, that versatility, you, especially when you're trying to replace what we did replace, you know, you like to be able to have that uh, versatility because it might be a few games in, you say, hey, we're just, you know, so-and-so has been injured or whatever. We need to slide some people around. So a starter stays a starter but slides to a different position, and then they just jail by getting the new guy into the old position where the guy slid over from. Uh, I've seen that happen before. Uh I think without that versatility, you're really hamstringing yourself when you're trying to figure out what five and what combination and where they're at. Well, that that's the really the hard part is finding the right five. And then once you think you have the right five, getting them in the right spot only mm -hmm. to find out maybe that's not right. So it's a constant game of trial and error and hoping you get it right quicker than you know, then later, uh, mm -hmm. but my, my first overall strength, which I skipped past to agree with you about size was I like that we have a solid top six, seven, maybe eight guys, depending on how some of these quote unquote, big time contributors that have no notable stats for the herd develops. Right. I mean, you talk about, uh, Tucker and Osborne and Sartor who've played for the herd a lot already. That that's great. Right. And, and, um, uh, Faux show uh, also has played a lot of ball for the herd. So you like what you have there potentially and Ethan Driscoll as well. And then you talk about a couple of transfers and in holler and Palant uh, <clears throat> that have to do it in Kelly green. They've done it at other places, but they've got to do it here, but you still think they're a quality offensive lineman, right? So that's six, seven, eight guys. And then you talk about maybe Jeremiah or being a, being a real gym that, I'll be honest with you, until I was digging into this, didn't even know he was on the roster. Didn't know anything about him. So um, that was a yeah, he nice – He transferred in March, and it was right before uh, our show kicked off. And, uh, again, it was under the radar because of what you were saying, but, you know, it was tweeted out back then. I remember seeing it. And the first thing that left out at me was his size. Mm -hmm. I don't care where he played. You know, uh, people can, for whatever reason – go to a school that's under the radar 
if you can play, you can play and you'll find a place, especially in today's game of being able to transfer, you know, the cream rises to the top. And I think that we've got a good sleeper there in Jeremiah. Or- yeah. I'm just saying I missed it. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I can't catch everything, of course, but we right. don't know what the circumstance, maybe he lived next door to Valparaiso and just didn't want to leave home. And who knows? And now, you know, situation changed. You're like, yeah, man, maybe I'll venture down to Huntington and, and play for the herd. Either any way you slice it, I really think we have a solid, you know, six to eight guys before you have to worry about somebody making a marked leap. Now, what about a a final strength if you have one? I don't. Those are my only two that I had listed with size and versatility. So my my third strength is something that you missed um, or that you mentioned when you were talking about size. You talked about hitting the portal really hard and feeling, uh, trying to fill some of those holes departed by Salguero, Millette, and Ulmer. And I think that's the, the strength. It's not necessarily of this unit, but more so of the coaching staff in the way they approach this unit. You know, it, it wasn't going to be a traditional out-of-high-school development, let's see what we've got here. They were like, dang, man, we lost a lot of all-time talent, a lot of combined starts. We need to shore up these holes, like, right now. And they went out and got four guys when they lost four major contributors. You know, they lost Millet, Salguero, Ulmer, and McGee. All four of them were solid, long-term contributors, and they went out and got four guys to fill that. Two of them, I think, will be starters. The other two, we'll see if they fit right in there. So that strength falls on the coaching staff, and I, w- I want to give them some shine for for lessening the worry of this position group um, for most fans at the end of the year when they were like, oh, man, we're losing all these guys. How are we going to fix that? Uh, how about an overall weakness or weaknesses? Where do you want to start? Uh, number one out of the, the gate, out of the two weaknesses that I have, is the replacing of all those starts and all that chemistry uh, playing as a unit uh, out of our departed people. And – that's just tough. You know, uh, we have had a great run of offensive line units, not just individual players, but units uh, for a long time now. Uh, you know, we it has always been one of those things year in, year out that, you know, we don't say, oh, man, one of our weaknesses is offensive line. You know, it's always been a pretty good strength. Uh, however, it doesn't matter if it's a running strength every year, year in, year out. Replacing that many people is never easy, and that's my number one weakness. Uh, My first overall weakness, which, by the way, I told you the name would come to me when I was talking about great centers that we had. It was uh, Millette slash Shagero, Levi Brown before that, and Chris Jaspers before that, four-year starter um, and an an all-timer. My number one overall weakness is the overall depth of the unit. I mean, where I see a strength being a solid top six, seven, eight guys after that, it gets worrisome. You, you're going to have to have somebody step up guys that haven't been forced to do that anywhere other than practice or on scout team ball. They're going to have to do it in live competition when it means something in the win loss column. Yeah. Uh, so for that reason, it is a little concerning. Um, have guys been there long enough that it's just their time to do that? Yeah, some of these guys have been there three years already, and they just haven't 
because of this all-time talent, had to take that leap, and now they do. So overall depth, unit-wide, is a concern for me and a weakness for me. What do you got for your second? My second and final weakness is uh, something that you had mentioned in uh, the strengths uh, as a concern is the chemistry. Um, Obviously, it may take a while for them to gel. You hope that they'll have it ready before Notre Dame you know, but it's uh, it's one of those things, like you mentioned, they're a squad, they're a unit, they're a hive mind, uh, everybody working on the same page. If, uh, if it takes a little time, it could be kind of testy early in the season, you know, finding in the right mix, the right positions, the right five guys. So that chemistry is a concern for me. Uh, that's actually my third weakness so i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback off of what you're saying the chemistry of these guys playing together or the lack thereof let me give you just one stat right we've got about 30 some career starts for the herd across this starting five or this projected starting five will almer left with 56 career starts by himself so that the calls for that doesn't even account for everybody else that left with with starts under their belt so that in and of itself tells you that there is a severe lack of um, chemistry to start the season. And and you're right. They got to get it right at least before Notre Dame because they're that's a big, probably nasty, scary defensive line, linebacker core, safeties and corners that these guys are going to have to fend off of their quarterback and try to get their running backs and receivers out healthy as well. So, yeah, they've got a month to get it right. Then they've got, and I'm not meaning any disrespect to Norfolk State, but when you're talking Norfolk State and Notre Dame, it's a dress rehearsal, right? It, I mean, it is. So they've got a, they've got a game uh, that they can also try to get it a little bit right to get prepared for Notre Dame. But the time played together is just a severe, severe concern for me. And since you don't have a third weakness, and I do, but it's actually my second weakness, it's a piggyback off of kind of what I was saying before is there's a need for more guys to make a developmental leap in this unit more so than other position groups. I, I You guys can't see this, but my son just creeped in here and it's causing me to laugh. So he, he's probably going to be on the episode. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Coop, Coop, now's not the time, buddy. Coop, Cooper, now's not the time, okay? Yeah, now's not the time. Yeah, okay, great. Hey, don't come, don't come back in here, okay? Thank you. Ish. He's something else. I'm going to have to edit that whole thing out. So I guess I will. I'll just start over. <clears throat> and since you don't have a third weakness, my third and final weakness for this group, which kind of piggybacks off of what I was saying before, is that I think there's a need for more of the guys in the unit to make a developmental leap versus other units on the team. So it's not like you're going to need to see one or two guys do it. You might need to see three or four or five guys make that developmental leap into a big-time contributor role. And they may not even need their services, you know, but you still have to see that happen. So for those reasons – uh, th this is really the, the the unit so far in this whole series that I've got the most cause for concern for, for good reason. Uh, I, I fully 
expect that our guys will get it right and have the best five on the field with the best chemistry that they possibly can forge over this next month. But still, you lose guys like Millette, Ulmer, Salguero off the same line. I mean, it, I mean that's three-fifths of your starters. You have to be concerned about 60% of your line leaving. You just have to be that way. So it is what it is, but we'll see how it is. Russ, you got a hot take for this unit before we uh, end this position group breakdown? Well, so – I don't really, uh, other than, you know, kind of trying to make some kind of prediction. I don't even know where to begin because we have so many transfers in and, you know, people that will be playing large amounts for the first time as a, a herd football player. I was trying to think if I had some kind of sack uh, number that they would come in under, and I just couldn't do it, man. I, I don't know. So, I mean, I'll, I'll listen to yours and maybe that'll – make me think of something that I could throw out onto the dartboard and see what, what it lands on, but I just don't have one. Well, that's actually the direction I went. I'm, I, I don't have a number per se, but I just, I'm just going to say that at the end of the season, this offensive line unit as a whole will allow less than two sacks per game. And that's pretty, that's a pretty tall ask when you're talking about giving up less than 30 sacks on the season. Uh, but you know, I like that. I like the, that, I think a lot of that also plays into the quarterback being mobile and you know, making them right reads quicker and getting the ball out of his hands sooner. So there's a lot the quarterback can do to help alleviate some of those sack numbers. So that's where I'm going with that. And just as a little, hey, po positive little, hey, let's do that too. Uh, maybe they'll increase that average rush yards per game up from 162. It's not, I don't think it'll be over 200 or anything, but maybe they push it up to like 165, you know, just an improvement over last year, which would be pretty amazing considering Ali had a great year and we had all these all timers, you know, so it, it's, it's the yin and the yang of potentially two different conferences and two different lineups worth of, uh, or two different schedules worth of defenses that lends itself to that. So We'll just see if that if that goes. So those are my two hot takes. Then I'll, I'll come up with one and say that our total yards that we had last year that as a as a team that we will have more offensive total yards per game than we did last year for this unit. Uh, do I think that that is totally indicative of your offensive line? No. You know you might have different field position or more chances or anything that would increase it, but I got to have something that we can put and see, you know, how we did at the end of the season. So I'm going to say we improved loose uh, offensive yards per game. I mean, for a position group that uh, both of us have a lot of questions and, and both of us are in wait and see mode. Yeah. And I think a lot of the fan base is in wait and see mode for this, whether you see that as fair or not, you know, you I mean, you have to be honest with yourself and, and, and hope that you see, um, production on par with what we had last year, if not a little bit better, but you're still going to have to see it. And and that's just a fair outlook to take. Our final two position so, groups that we're going to be going over were my only two real concern groups. And it was because of what we left uh, from last year that it's kind of unknown, you know, what we have. Yeah. So – yeah, it's it's fair point. So that's the end of the offensive line position group breakdown. Take from that what you will. That's just how we at the Thundercast see it. So let's move it around the herd, shall we? Yeah, so 
I'm pretty daggone excited with uh, the two things that I have or the two teams that I have for Around the Herd because it means that we're actually getting some games going in this new Sunbelt era. Uh, women's soccer will be uh, having their first exhibition match on Tuesday, August the 9th at 5 p.m. right here at Hoops Field in Huntington, and that'll be against Eastern Kentucky. Then on Sunday, they will be playing Bellarmine or Bellarmine. I never know how to say that. Uh, Sunday, August the 14th at 1 p.m. And that game is actually in Louisville. So any of our Louisville area Lexington fans that uh, don't make it over here, you know, that might be a little close uh, game that they can go over. And heck, I can be in Louisville from Huntington in two and a half hours, you know, somewhere around there. So we might have a lot of fans heading over there for that women's uh, uh, soccer match. I'm with you. It's time for the uh, live action, live action to uh, kick off and and just get going. You know, we've had a lot of preseason chatter. We've had a lot of postseason chatter and summer chatter. Mm -hmm. And now it's time for soccer season to ramp up. And hey, these are so to get some of the mission matches, but. You know, so this won't count against the season record. Oh, right. Yes. But it's still uh, opportunities to get out to a field and watch. see the team play. Yeah. So it, it helps get you in the mode. You know, it's just time for live action games. They may not mean account for anything in the standings, yeah. but it's still an opportunity to get the gears churning, to get yourself in athletic mode and just get ready to roll. Right. So if you're anywhere in the region and can watch these games, what else you got going on? Get out there and watch the, the women's soccer team. That's right. We're not talking about practice, Allen Iverson. We're talking about <laughs> games now. And uh, Sun, Sun Belt era games. Goodbye, Conference USA. Uh, also, men's soccer, same deal. Their first uh, exhibition match will be Friday, August the 12th at Rio Grande at 7 p.m. That is right up the road. We have a lot of fans in that area. But you can get up there in just over an hour or so, hour and a half if you are a slower driver. Go up there, eat at uh, the Big Bob Evans. I know that our governor would love uh, to send everyone over there. <laughs> but, uh, if you're up in uh, the Rio Grande area, you get to see a heck of a uh, team. Our national champion, uh, not far removed, men's soccer club, will be up there. Sunday, they will be here at home, and that will be at 7.15 p.m., so a night game over here at Hoops Field. Both of those, just as the women's exhibition matches, but still live games, not practice games. Uh, the number 14 preseason ranked men's soccer team as well. I, I should have uh, actually had that down uh, that that was uh one that i overlooked for the five things when i was making my list and uh i for whatever reason that escaped my mind man but yes let's talk about that very briefly lots of respect still for this uh this team 14th starting off that's really really good i mean that yeah, with, with several marquee games uh, on the schedule of teams that are ranked ahead of them, so there's a real opportunity. I remember Marshall came out of seemingly nowhere mm -hmm. to win it all, right? I mean, they, they weren't 
preseason basically anything in 2020 and they burst on the scene to so to go from that to a perennial a perennial now a preseason top 20 top 15 team with some teams you're looking at in the early going uh, ahead of you in the standings an opportunity to knock them off and and just climb the ranks quicker I mean, what more can you say? This is great. I mean, Huntington's got to really transform itself into a rabid soccer town because these guys are are something to be proud of. They are really something to be proud of. I know there's a lot of support there, but we need even more support. Everybody loves a winner. So get out there, experience a soccer game live, and find yourself going back again and again and again, right? Unless you have something else, that's all I had for Around the Herd this week because a lot of the stuff we covered in the five things. Uh, but I've got a feeling over the next week to two weeks, we're going to start getting a lot more Around the Herd news. Yeah, I would imagine so. As schedules start to uh, unfold, or not schedules, but like uh, games start to ramp up and things start to get get on the schedule people's individual schedule and they start going to games and we have things we can actually talk about. Yeah. We got fall camp. that's going to be in full swing within the next week. Uh, again, we're going to start answering a lot of these questions or see a lot of these questions get answered through practice and play and, and um, Oh gosh, press conferences. That's what I was getting at. So yeah, that's all I have for around the herd. So if, uh, since you don't have anything else, takes out of here. All right. What do you see us? At the dot, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the Cam, whether you see us at Hoops Field, I tell you where you're not going to see us is anywhere around Conference USA anymore because this week we're officially starting some Sunbelt era games. But wherever you do see us, we're going to be saying, Go Herd. Go Herd, it's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>